Now, I, want, I know you already know the words, but I want you to really sing out. And you can start learning the motions. You guys ready to learn the motions? All right. He's looking like something's going to jump out and attack him right now. He's looking at this lion and all this. But anyway, let's sing To God Be the Glory. like Vacation Bible School and children's ministries and youth ministries and Bible camp and the like, you may have heard that the majority of people who come to faith in Christ, they do so at a very early age. It is true that God can save anybody at any time, any age, at any stage of life, but statistically speaking, the majority of people that come to faith in Christ, they do so at an early age. They do it while they're young. Uh, I just wonder, how many of you in here, just out of curiosity, maybe you say, I was saved, I came to faith in Christ um, before I was 10 or 12 years old. Would you raise your hand? All right, great. How many before 15 you came to faith in Christ? Yeah. See, a great majority in here came to faith in Christ at an early age. And uh, those of us who were brought up in church, and maybe that's you, or maybe you're new to church, but those of us who were brought up in church, think about the foundational truths that were laid down in your life at a very early age. 
Uh, perhaps even before you can even recall, uh, before you even remember or even recognize that someone was singing to you a song like this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Even as a baby, maybe some of us, that song was sung to us. How many of us, we were taught a prayer like this uh, when it came mealtime? I wonder how many of you know this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. And uh, we, we were taught that maybe at an early age. And then some of us, I was preparing for today and thinking about this idea about the goodness of God. I couldn't help but think about a chorus that uh, I learned. I don't know what age I was, but uh, I think most of my life I've known this little chorus. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Beloved, those are foundational truths. Those are profound truths. Those are truths that we do not outgrow. Those are truths we grow up in. That prayer, God is great, God is good, God is so good to me, that little chorus, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Today I want to build upon some of those foundational truths that a lot of us have known for a lot of our lives. And if you're new to church, that's okay. Uh, you can learn these foundational truths with us. But I want to build upon that little chorus and upon that uh, meal blessing and talk to you today about the fact that God is good. Uh, that's the idea behind this year's Bible school. The theme, as you see, says life is wild, God is good. Life is wild, God is good. And here's what we're going to be learning each evening. So you say, well, if I bring my child, my grandchild, if I'm here, what are they going to be talking about? Well, tonight we're going to talk about this truth. When life is unfair, God is good. Life ever been unfair to you? Think about it. When life is unfair, God is good. Tomorrow night, when life is scary, God is good. Tuesday night, when life changes, God is good. Wednesday night, when life is sad, God is good. And then I love Thursday night especially. When life is good, God is good. When life is good, God is good. Now, I don't know about you, but those are the truths I want my own children to understand and get a hold of and really for them to resonate in their hearts. And I want all of us to understand those truths. No matter what's going on, God is good all the time in every circumstance, in every setting of life. No matter what's going on, God is always good. Now, as I was studying for today, I ran across a little verse in a great big chapter of the Bible. In fact, it's the longest chapter of the Bible. If you're in the book of Psalms by now, if you'll find the longest chapter of the Bible, it's Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 may be one of those chapters, if you do the read a Bible through in a year program, you may dread if Psalm 119 is their passage for that day. Why? Well, because it's the longest chapter in the Bible, as you'll see, as you look at it, it's 176 verses. We're going to look at each one of those verses this morning. <laughs> I'm just seeing if you're awake. We're not. We're actually just going to look at one verse, and really only one part of a verse. In fact, I've never noticed this verse before. 
And as I was looking at the goodness of God, I came across this verse, and it's a little verse in a long chapter. And it just stopped me in my tracks, and I'll have it on the screen. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, if you do follow along, if not, I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture today, too. And I'll try to get most of it on the screen. You can jot the references down. But if you'll drop down and find verse 68 of Psalm 119, here's what it says. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. I want you to notice those first six words. You are good and do good. Well, the question is, who's he talking about? Well, if you drop back to verse 65, you find the answer. Psalm 119, verse 65 says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. And so the you he's talking about in verse 68 is the Lord. You, O Lord, are good and do good. And so I want to press upon your heart in our few minutes together today that he is good and he does good. This verse tells us who he is. And this verse tells us what he does. This verse talks about his nature. You're good. And it talks about his actions. You do good. The first part describes God. And it says, you are good. But the question is, how do we describe good? How do we define good? What's the definition of good? I mean, wouldn't that be different depending on who you talk to? Well, beloved, we have to use God as the definition of good. Notice what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. And so God is good. The uh, theologian Thyssen said this means that all the qualities that makes God the ideal person, it means his holiness and his righteousness and his truth and his love and his benevolence and his mercy and his grace, all that God is is good. And God is all good. In fact, if you leave today and you don't know what I talk about, I've failed. Somebody were to ask you at the restaurant in a little bit, what did your preacher preach on today? I hope you'll say and be able to say, we learned today that God is good. God is good. He's all good. He's perfectly good. He's always good. There's never a time He's not good. One of the old writers said He's originally good. He's good to Himself when nothing else is. He said uh, He's infinitely good. We are but just a drop of goodness, but God is good through and through. He's eternally good. He's always been good, is good right now, and will always be good. He's immutably good. That means He will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll always be good. And everything He does is good. It was described to me in this way. It's kind of the difference between something being gold-plated and solid gold. Y'all know the difference? Say you have a bowl and it's gold-plated. That means you have a bowl that gold's been added to the bowl. It's not all gold. It's just been added. But God is like solid gold. That is, He's good through and through. We are gold-plated. We're not all good, but we've been added goodness because of Jesus in our lives. And so we're kind of gold-plated, but God is solid gold. We have goodness added to us, but God is all good. In fact, God can't do anything that's not good. God is good through and through. And so when you're, maybe your parents taught you that prayer, God is great and God is good, they taught you one of the greatest truths that you could ever know in your life. When you learn that little chorus, God is so good, you learn one of the greatest songs you could ever sing. God is so good. In fact, I want you to think about how good God is today. Did you realize that God is good to everybody? 
God is good to all people. Notice what Matthew 5.45 says. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That is God. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You ever thought about that? God's common grace. God is so good that even the person who hates God, who despises God, who blasphemes God, guess what? It rains at their house too. And the sun shines at their house too. And they benefit from the goodness of God as God provides these things. He provides food for them and, and all those things. God is good to everybody. It's common grace. He's good to all. Why? Because He is good. And because He is good, He does good. Did you realize that every good gift comes from God? Every good gift in your life comes from God. Look at James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I would imagine if I were to ask you this morning, are there any good things in your life? A lot of you would look to your left and your right. You would look at your family. And guess what? They're a gift from God. You'd look around maybe at your home and your possessions and your cars and all the things you have, the clothes that you're wearing right now, the plans that you have this afternoon to go eat and realize that all of that is because God is good. All of that's from God. He is good and He does good. And every perfect gift and every good gift comes from above, from God. And beloved Christian, can I just remind you of something very, very important? If you're a child of God, God always has your good in mind. God is always working in your life for your good and His glory. He said, but I don't understand that. It doesn't always appear that way, but listen, He is. In fact, He's made this promise to us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for what? For good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. God is so good, He can even take bad things in our lives. Things people do to us. Things that are a result of living in a fallen world. People wrong us. We sin ourselves. We make mistakes. We fumble. We falter. And God is so good, He can even take all of that and work it together for His honor and glory and for our good. It's kind of like uh, the way you uh, can have a, someone who's a good cook and they may have some lard and they may have some buttermilk and they may have some flour and they may have some salt. And the truth of the matter is, you don't want to eat any of that by itself. Nobody says, give me a handful of salt or give me a handful of flour. But you begin to take somebody who knows what they're doing and they begin to mix all that together and all of a sudden you have a flaky buttermilk biscuit and it's hot and it's steaming and you get that thing out and it's just there and you... You just smell it. It's just lovely. And you get some apple butter and you put it on there. Maybe some butter and you put it on there. Or maybe you dip it in molasses. Or you get some preserves and some jam and you put it on there. But by itself, we wouldn't want any of that. Nobody wants to say, hey, give me some, give me some jelly for this flour. But you begin to mix all those ingredients together and you bake it up and it's something good. That's what God does in our life. There are a lot of things in our lives that don't make sense. We don't like them. We wouldn't choose them. But God takes all those things. That's what it says in Romans 8, 28. He takes all those things and He works them out for our good and for His glory. God is so merciful. God is so kind. God is so gracious. Do we not see just how good He is? We talked about it a moment ago about every good gift and every perfect gift. Think about the greatest gift He gave. John chapter 3, verse 16. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Talk about a good God. He's so good to us. He says, listen, I love you so much, I'll give my Son to die in your place. That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship today. That's why we sing, to God be the glory, great things He hath done. That's why we sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. Because He is our good God. Take a moment and begin to think about the good things in your life. All of those are a gift from God. Think about the people in your life. Those are a gift from God. Think about the way God is working your life right now. That's a gift from God. Already today, He's loaded us down with benefits. The fact, listen, the fact that you're here and I'm here and we're in our right mind and we're clothed and we're sitting here thinking and functioning and talking and singing and fellowshipping, that is a gift from Almighty God. He's good. He's good. So that brings to mind the question then, how should we respond to God's goodness? Now, what should our response be? I think it's a multifaceted response. I don't think we can use just one word. There are more words than one, I think. First of all, I think gratefulness pops right up in my mind. How should I respond to God's goodness? Gratefulness? When I consider how good God is, aren't you glad we don't serve an evil God? Aren't you glad an evil God didn't create us just for to play with us and to torture us? No, we have a good God. Everything He created was good. Go back and read in Genesis. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. We should be grateful for that. In fact, Psalm 107 verse 1 says to us, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. His mercy endures forever. Thanksgiving is not just for November. It's not just for Thanksgiving time. It's for every day. Give thanks to the Lord. Gratefulness. Secondly, I think worship should be a response that we have. Worship is ascribing worship, praise, honor, adoration to Him. In fact, look at Psalm 107, verses 21 and 22. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? For His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. When we consider how good God is, we ought to be grateful, we ought to be worshipful, and furthermore, we ought to be obedient. When we realize that God is good and everything He does is good, should we not obey Him in all things, knowing that He's working for our good, He has our good in mind, and He's always good? And even when He tells us not to do something, He does that because He's good? And when He tells us to do something, He does that because He's good? Should we not obey Him? Furthermore, should we not trust Him? Knowing that He's good, knowing that He is merciful and gracious and kind and loving, can we not trust Him and rest in Him? In fact, Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Maybe you're eat up with worry right now. Can I just encourage you to begin meditating upon the goodness of God. How else should we respond? Well, I think we should respond with testimony and witness. Knowing His goodness, how can we be quiet about that? Listen, I know y'all, you know me, we find a good restaurant, what do we do? Hey, have you eaten at so-and-so? Have you gone there? It's so good! Now, I quit doing that because every time I tell somebody it's good, or I take them, it's terrible the time I take them. 
I bragged and bragged on something recently and said, oh, the food's so good. Went there and said, this is the worst it's ever been. <laughs> but that'll never be the case with God. We ought to brag on Him. We ought to honor Him. We ought to tell others about it. We ought to testify and say, God's been so good to me. In fact, there's never a time you can't say that. No matter what's going on. Testimony, witness. And then I think we'd have to add love to that response, wouldn't you? How can we not love one who's so good? How can we help but love one who is so good to us every day? Um, he's good within himself. He's good to those of us who belong to him. He's even good to those who hate him. Because he is good and he does good. But as I thought this through and I thought more about it, I thought about another question we really need to consider. And that is this question. What happens when we fail to believe that he is good? What happens when we fail to believe that he's good? Now, I'm directing this question to those of us who are children of God, to those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You say, really? Yeah. Not many of us would verbalize it. We wouldn't write it out. We might not even admit it. But in our most honest moments of life, there have probably been times where we have struggled with this whole idea of God's goodness. Maybe some tragedy has struck. Maybe something horrible has happened. Maybe a terrible diagnosis from a doctor. Something awful financially has happened. Some area where you really have struggled. And in your most honest moments, you say, I, I really struggle with this whole idea of God's goodness. We know that He's good. We really believe that he's good. We really believe that. But we're kind of like the man in the Scripture. Remember the man in the Scripture who said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. In other words, I believe, Lord, but I'm struggling. I really believe, but I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with this. I know you're good, and you're always good, but this doesn't feel good, and I'm struggling. Well, what happens when we fail to believe that God is good? The more I thought about this, the more I realized that a lack of understanding and a lack of appreciation and really grasping the truth of God's goodness can really impact us in a bad way. In fact, it can impact us in a horrible way. First of all, when we doubt God's goodness, it can cause us, beloved, to yield to temptation and sin. It can cause us to yield to temptation and sin. Think back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. That's been a while ago. But you remember they were in a perfect place with a perfect marriage partner, with a perfect life, and a perfect God. I mean, the weather was right. Everything was right. Everything was good. There was nothing wrong. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. Then what happened? The devil came along and caused them to doubt God's goodness. Let me read you the passage, Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... 
Listen to what he says. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve, God is holding out on you. God's holding back on you. God's not telling you the truth. Adrian Rogers said, by planting the seed of doubt, Satan wanted Eve to believe God was withholding goodness from her. Therefore, God himself was not good. She would think that God was cruel and harsh and unloving. And so he comes along, Satan does, and puts a doubt concerning the goodness of God. And what does Adam and Eve do? They sin. They yield to temptation and sin. And how many times do we do the same thing in our life? God has given us a legitimate need, a legitimate desire in our life. And God has a legitimate and right way of meeting that need at the right time and the right way with the right people and so forth. And yet what do we do? We get impatient and we begin to, to wonder because we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on God. And it seems that God is not doing anything. We begin to doubt His goodness. And so what do we do? We take matters in our own hands and we sin. In reality, instead of waiting on God, we get tired we wonder about His goodness and then we plunge into disobedience. And it goes back to what? Doubting the goodness of God. We can yield to temptation and sin. second thing that happens when we doubt God's goodness is we begin to be filled with fear and worry. Fear and worry. If we're not sure that God is good all the time, we begin to get anxious and fear and worry and we begin to wonder, are we going to make it? I mean, because if He's not good all the time, then how can we have confidence in His care? And if we can't have confidence in God's care, then all we have left is fear and worry, right? I mean, so many bad things can happen to us, and sometimes they do. Can we really trust Him? Is He really good? And I mean, let's be honest about it. If He's not good, and He's not good all the time, then we ought to worry, and we ought to be afraid. But, beloved, He's good all the time. He's good even when bad things happen in our lives. Even when things don't add up and things don't make sense, we can't make heads or tails of them. Let's just be honest about it. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, if you're honest, and I'm going to be honest with you, there are times where God has allowed certain things or things have happened, and we begin to look at that and say, how in the world could He allow that to happen? Why? But He's still good. He's always been good. He'll always be good. And you think about the rest of his attributes. He's not only good, he's perfectly wise, he's kind, he's gracious, he's loving, and on and on and on, because you know, goodness covers so much. 
as the old saying goes, we know that God is too good to be unkind and too wise to make a mistake. And yet here we are and these things have happened and they're not good. And we're tempted to fear and worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say it this way, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Let's be honest about it. That's what we need. We need somebody to guard our hearts and our minds. Because what's worry and fear? It's the unrest in our heart and our mind. And so here's the solution here. Don't worry, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and then the peace of God will come. You say, well, what, where do you see God's goodness in that verse? And I got to thinking about that. Where is God's goodness in that verse? I mean, it's all over, but especially, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What's the next two words? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. I'm thankful to the Lord. Why? Because He's good. I'm thankful to the Lord because I can take my cares and my worries. I'm thankful to the Lord because He will give a peace which surpasses all understanding. Because He is good. And so when we fail to really understand God's goodness, it can cause us to yield to temptation and sin. It can cause us to be filled with worry and fear. And furthermore, it can cause us to where we get to the point where we fail to trust Him and surrender to Him. If we're not really sure that God is good and that God is good all the time, it's going to be real hard for us to give up, to give in, and to go with His plan for our lives. Let me just say that again. If we're not real sure and certain that God is good and good all the time, it's going to be really hard for us to give up Give in and go along with God's plan for our lives. And he goes, why? We're talking about our lives here. We only get one. This is not dress rehearsal, by the way. You're living your life right now. I'm living my life right now. I'm spending my days. I'm spending these years. I have this moment. And I really doubt God's goodness. I'm having a hard time. Saying, okay, God, I want your plan for my life. It's going to be hard to trust Him when life gets tough. Can I just remind you that this is not a popular truth. But God's plan at times is very hard. Don't take my word for it. Go back and read your Bible. Ask Daniel what it's like to spend the night with lions. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what it's like to be thrown in the fiery furnace. Ask Joseph what it's like to be thrown in the pit by your brothers and then be falsely accused and rot for a while in a prison. Ask Paul what it's like to be shipwrecked and beaten with rods and on and on and on. Ask the Lord Jesus what it's like to die on a cross for sins you did not commit. At times, God's will for our life is hard. And if I doubt God's goodness, 
I'm going to struggle a lot. What we've got to understand, though, is that God is good on the happy days and the hard days. God is good all the time. And we've got to remember that God's working all things together for our good. That's why I love Joseph so much in the book of Genesis. I think I talked about that in my email this past week to you. I just love Joseph so much. Why? Because I see God's hand at work in his life. And so much didn't make sense. And so much of it was wrong. And yet God had a plan. There was an end down here. He's going to save his people. And save the people. Why? Because the Messiah is coming through that line. Jesus is coming through that line. And he preserved him. But it took the pit and the prison before he made it to the palace. We are going to have a hard time trusting the Lord, surrendering to the Lord, if we don't really know and are confident that God is good. So the question is, how do we get to that point? We've got to get back to our text. That little verse in that big chapter. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good and do good. It's who you are. It's what you do. It's your nature. It's your actions. We've got to get to know Him, not just about Him. See, so many people, they, they do their Bible study and they know this book. The problem is, though, it's not enough just to know this book. You've got to realize this book is given to us to know Him. We learn about Him in His Word. We grow in Him as we spend time with Him. And then we experience His goodness in our life on a daily basis. We've got to develop an intimate relationship with Him where we bring all of our cares and all of our burdens to Him. And we come to Him and say, Lord, I know You're good. We've got to get to the point where we give Him our heart. That's what He wants. He wants our heart. Recently, someone very dear to me handed me their heart. What I mean by that is they let me into their world. They laid open their heart to me. And they trusted me in doing that. And I must be honest, as I was there talking with this individual, I was humbled by the level of trust they gave to me to hand me their heart. I was humbled by the love that they showed to me to open their heart to me. And here's what happened. I left that encounter resolved more than ever that I would never, ever, God helping me betray the trust they put in me. And I did that as a fallen, weak, sinful man. Now, if I did that as a fallen, weak, sinful man who's just saved by God's grace, do we think for one moment that God's ever going to let us down when we say, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. I'm hurting. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. I wouldn't choose it. I don't want it. I want it to stop. But here's my heart, Lord. I trust you. Why? Because you're good. And you're always good. You've always been good. And you'll always be good. And I know, Lord, because you're good, 
You're too good to be unkind. And you're too wise to make a mistake. Now I want to ask you today. Have you handed God your heart? First of all, in salvation. But then, as a child of God, through surrender. Have you said, Lord, I know you're good. I trust you. Here's my heart. Did you realize the great favor that whoever it was that taught you and the one who taught me did for us many, many years ago for a lot of us when they taught us to sing that song? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Father, we are not worthy. We're not worthy to be in this building today. We're not worthy to lift our eyes heavenward on our own. But you love us so much, you gave Christ for us. And you gave us his goodness. Father, I pray today if anybody here does not know Christ, that they would see your goodness today and turn from their sin and place their faith in Him alone. And then, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters and I pray for myself. Lord, we really have given you our heart. And we really do know that you are good all the time. Bless in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing one closing song, and as we do, the altar is open. If you need to be safe today. We'd love to tell you more about that. Maybe you just want to come today and kneel at the altar and maybe give a burden to the Lord. Maybe you want to just come today and worship the Lord for His goodness and the way He's blessed you. Whatever he's leading you to do, however he's leading you, I want you to be free to do that. We can help you in some way. Then please let us know. Well, let's stand together and sing this final song. You be obedient to the Lord as we do it.